In order for shame to be rendered powerless in our lives, we must be witnessed. We must be seen. Your gifting is going to seem like things that are just very obvious. They're going to seem like, well, everybody can be this welcoming, but everybody can see that moment where I just saw it. It's going to feel like anybody could do it. And that's what makes it your gifting. Watch how people avoid the face of somebody in need or asking who makes you uncomfortable. Every one of those faces reveal God. We have to remember our past and recount the things that God has done for us. And then that gives us faith to keep going to where he wants us to be. Guys, welcome back to the Ann Sons Garage Podcast. I'm Blaine. And my mouth is full of carrots. <laughs> I'm Sam. That's Sam. And we are coming to you from our garages today. Again. Because as you've noticed, the pandemic endures outside. The impetus for today's podcast is the world's need for Jesus. If there were one theme to my conversations right now, and one theme to every interaction is that what the world needs is a clear picture of Jesus, who he is, what he's like, what he says about your future, right? We're like, what else helps? I'm having a lot of conversations about toilet paper, but I like your conversations. I'm hoping by the time this podcast airs, we will have our Anson's Fear branded toilet paper, which Ooh, yeah. we'll be selling at cost. It'll cost more than regular toilet paper because we have to ship it to you guys. But you can wipe your butt you with can fear. Wipe your butt with be fear. Awesome. The interesting tension that I feel is underlying excitement about the opportunity and just fear and concern. And so on the one hand, there's right. this. You know, I just got a call from another friend this morning about another business that went under today. And Mm. the, oh my gosh, the shaking of the world is very personal. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And there's a nurse friend that I can't see right now because he has two patients in the ICU who have COVID-19, and it just is this, whoa, this is not... Two as of this recording. Yeah, as, as of right now. So there's this, oh my gosh, the world is shaking. Uh, it contrasted with, oh my gosh, people's hearts are more on the surface than they ever are. So because of that, we have a smattering of stories from folks that we are connected to prompted merely with the question, what is Jesus up to currently for you? Right. The interesting backstory to this episode is it's last summer, and I'm asking Jesus in a time of prayer, why don't you come up more often in my conversations with my neighbors, even with friends that I love? And he responds in the frank way that he can and goes, uh, because you don't talk about your heart. You're not vulnerable. And it just went, oh, you Hmm. are where the action is. And right now, there is an unprecedented opportunity to talk with people who don't know Jesus or who think they know Jesus about how incredible the kingdom is. 
And what we want to say out of our own experience is, you don't talk about Jesus by memorizing the script from some evangelism campaign. The gospel is specific. It's more clear the more specific it is. So you talk about Jesus simply by talking about your life and then explaining the ways that he is meeting you or holding you or changing things for you. So we just almost at random asked six of our friends, would you come on and tell us where God is meeting you? What I love about these conversations is that they're diverse. They're specific. Some of these stories are very fresh. Some of them are the process of a decade. Some of them are the fruit of a moment in time like this is like a catalyst. Not all of these stories will relate to every listener. Maybe just one of them is meant for you, but there were several of them that were meant for me. And I was like, I came away massively encouraged going, wow, okay, I've been doing it wrong. I'm going to take that reorientation and I'm going I'm to have a salsa party. Yes. There are sort of two objectives here. One, guys, this is a great way to check in on your own heart and your life with God. How am I feeling? And what would it look like in, a, in concrete terms to invite God into that and to maybe receive some of what he's trying to give me? And the other part is, guys, this is a wonderful moment to talk to people in your world. And in fact, when anyone asks you the simple question, how are you doing? That is an opportunity to talk about the kingdom, to talk about Jesus. And every one of these examples does that. So here are six ways to show God's effect on the life of the heart in the world. Pablo, thanks for coming on the show this morning. Thank you for having me, guys. What is God up to right now? Where is he moving in your story? Great question, of course. Um, I think that to answer it well, I need to give a little bit of context as to what my last two weeks have been like. When all of these circumstances began to unfold, I found myself unconsciously and just re- reacting to it by trying to go to the news and find as much data as I could, trying to um, understand opinions from different experts as to what is happening and, and going to those places to try to find those answers often and, and constantly. And the, the fruit of that in my heart was not the right one. I could just feel the anxiety increasing. And so I had to pause and ask myself, what, what is it that I'm doing here, Jesus? And um, then the first weekend after sheltering in place came by and I found myself watching a lot of war movies and I love war movies in general, but this was constant. And I watched maybe two movies on Friday night and then another one on Saturday until my wife turned to me and said, what's, what's with the war movies? What's, what's happening? And her question actually made me realize what, what is happening. And taking that to God in prayer, I realized that I was uh, looking for a story that could help me understand my story. And I was going to these movies to try to find that narrative that could help me explain what is going on in my life. So two questions began to emerge from that as I began to bring all of this to God in prayer instead of trying to just go to the answers that could help me bring this circumstance back under control, quote unquote, under control. And, and God showed me the two questions that my heart is asking are, what is the story that I, might fi- that I find myself in? 
and then what is the role that I should play in this story? And, um, and so I took those questions to him. Jesus, show me then. Can you speak to me? What is the story that I find myself in and what, is, and what is my role in it? And a couple of days later, a good friend of mine sent me a trailer for another war movie. It was the movie Defiance, the story of the Germans coming to annihilate, to conquer Belarus. And it is the story of four Jewish men who stand up against tyranny and against all that the Germans are, are coming to do. And they say, not in my house. I'm going to fight back and I'm going to bring my strength on behalf of the people that need it. And that began to bring the proper interpretation. I found myself in tears watching a trailer. Mm. And so that's when Jesus sort of came to meet me in the midst of this circumstance. He's now speaking to me. And, and it began now this journey of reinterpretation of what is the story that we're in. It's maybe not the story of hoarding toilet paper and hunkering down and trying to self-protect but it's a different story. We live in a world at war. You guys, you know, teach that all the time. You guys, your dad. Um, but this circumstance is hiding that. Now it's more evident. Mm. And, uh, and it's not necessarily a, a war against a virus. There is a component of that. And there are things we can do to like flatten the curve and all of that. But it's most importantly a fight against fear, against uh, uncertainty, against self-protection, against playing it safe because my role as a son of God and as a warrior is uh, it's a different role. It's the role of being confident and grounded in who God is and who I am in him and then bringing that, that strength to other people. And so the question recently that my wife and I have been asking is what are, you know, centered in the story that we understand we're living in and centered in knowing who we are in Christ what are acts of defiance that then we can start um, practicing? And, and that is reframing this season for us. And so acts of defiance include, we're originally from Colombia, so playing salsa music and Colombian music in the living room and dancing with our kids when everyone is gloomy and, and just waiting for the next news. Uh, we're going to party and we're going to celebrate because, because right, God, presents before a feast before us in the presence of our enemies. So let's feast and let's celebrate. And, and then asking these same questions to friends, which has been a joy bomb. Even people that are, may or may not be believers, they have something in common and it is one, the circumstance. We're all sharing this together, but two, the story of their hearts. So they're feeling, even though they, they may not have the, the words or the language, they are feeling the war. They're feeling the, the oppression. They're feeling the fear, the anxiety. And when, when I come to a friend and say, hey, so what story have we found ourselves into? And what do you think is our role in it? I'm not necessarily preaching the gospel to them, but it's opening doors to start to have conversations around the heart that I never imagined were there, right for me to talk to my neighbors and my friends. That is so good. Simply going from disoriented and searching for a story to be handed. You are one of the defiant rebels refusing to bow to tyranny. And those practical things are so helpful. Pablo, I want to ask, that orienting picture is so helpful, is so key to this. There certainly was a moment with the trailer of Defiance how frequently do you feel like you need to be oriented? Was it that one and done, or does it feel like a choice 
multiple times a day. Yes. So there was that first moment where Jesus spoke to me and I opened my eyes and in the spirit, I understood the answer to the questions that I was presenting to him. But that needs to, in my world right now, it needs to continue happening not only once every few days, but constantly and multiple times during the day. I have mm -hmm. to find myself re-anchoring in that because what the world is saying is something different. What the news are saying is the opposite. What you go outside and breathe is completely different. Uh, we went to shop for some groceries a couple of nights ago and we walked into this place and was kind of desolate and just a few people trying to keep distance with each other. The absolute absence of joy there was not even music in the background, everything, everything silent. Uh, it felt apocalyptic. Mm -hmm. And immediately I began to feel it in my heart. So in moments like this, I have to re-anchor myself in Jesus. This is what I'm experiencing. This is what I'm feeling. But it doesn't mean that this is what's most true. Would you remind me of what, what is most true? And then like tools like the One Minute Pause app on tools like just worshiping the car on the way back, are the ones that help me re-anchor back in what's most true and allow me to breathe again and say, okay, and this is who I am. Stacia, thank you for honoring us with your story. Yeah. Where is God meeting you or Jesus reframing your story? I think living from a place of hope and not anticipating future loss. So part of my story the decade of my 20s, beginning at 21, I lost 10 family members over a span of about 10 years. Some of them I was closer to than others, but most of them I was extremely close with, and they were the ones that I really leaned on, including my mom. So I realized I was living in this survival mode and distrust of God and feeling like, okay, in a new year, what is the next death? What is the next sorrow? And God, first, he just, I mean, he held me and there was so much space within his heart for every kind of emotion, ranting and, and being so angry at him and all these accusations by him. But he always responded with kindness. And I think my heart was like, I'm so angry at you, but don't leave me. <laughs> like, I, I, I can't do this. But I have to have you. And over time, he showed me that every single loss really was anchoring my heart more and more in the hope of Jesus. And I had this, this picture of, especially with the loss of my mom, after she died, it felt like it was hard, like a new year or a new month, even at first, it felt like I was getting farther and farther away from her. But he showed me just in this youth eternity, she actually went before I, every every movement of my heart toward Jesus and throughout this life I'm actually just catching up to her and and so one of the passages that really God used that is literally kind of pockmarked and tear splattered in my bible is Jeremiah 31 that like he makes our life like a well-watered garden and just recently actually he he showed me this picture of, I was with him, but even my tears, whatever I, I cry or current sorrows, even that as they fall on this like dry desert ground, he makes these green shoots spring up. Like that's just, that's just the nature of how he is. And I don't have to do anything about that, but he will always, always, always turn that into beauty um, and into hope. The one question that comes up in listening is... 
What do you do when you need to find him? Talk about how he is the answer to every sorrow. What has helped recognize that he's coming close to you? It's a great question. I think for me personally, stillness. I think probably the biggest enemy in my current season is, is busyness. And when I'm still and honestly let myself feel those places of ache because the dynamic of loss, it is a daily ache. And it also is a daily opportunity to lean on him more. So I think for me, it looks like being still and letting myself feel, being really real with him and having it out and screaming and yelling and feeling that scream that is inside your soul and letting it out. Um, Cars are a good place for that so you don't get (laughs) arrested um, if you're around people. But not being afraid, he can handle that. So I think that's another way, just asking, like, God, how... How do you want to love me? And because he, I believe he wants to have unique languages for every person. So part of it is just asking him for that and having eyes to see. Josh, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming on. Thank you. So where is this happening for you? Where is Jesus appearing? Where is your story shifting? (laughs) Yeah, uh, I'm on a Bible reading plan. I'm on like a two-year plan because I'm, very slow. The one-year plan always stresses me out, and then I quit. So I'm reading through the book of Job, and uh, I've been loving it. It's so beautiful and so poetic. I'm just noticing a lot of things that I've never noticed in it before. And I know that you are having conversations with your neighbor. What is that looking like? Yeah, it's cool. My neighbor comes over, and I live in an old Victorian house that's like split into different apartments. And so my housemates and I will be on the front porch and then our neighbor's dog will wander over and then our neighbor will quickly follow with some beers and we end up having these good, interesting conversations. And we talked about Job recently. So my neighbor, he knows that me and one of my other neighbors have been pretty depressed recently, actually. So we're pretty open with him and not very like putting on Christian airs, I guess. And we happen to wander into this conversation where a few of us are reading Job at the same time. And we just started talking about how amazing Job is. And he ended up becoming really interested in reading Job. Wait, 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 yeah, no, hang on. (laughs) Of all of the stories to pick and feel inspired by, especially in a season of some heaviness, Job is not the first one that comes to mind. Yeah, um, it's relatable, I guess. (laughs) Basically, what we started riffing on was like how amazing Job is because he goes into this idea throughout the whole book of, I just wish that I could meet God face to face. Like, oh, that there were some kind of mediator between God and man. He wants to have this meeting with God. He wants to be seen. He wants to be heard. And all his friends slash counselors are kind of overlooking that um, and are just giving him great advice or sometimes poor advice. But like generally, like when you read his friend's advice, it's not bad. It's 
it makes a lot of sense, but no one addresses his core need that he keeps expressing of like, I want to see God face to face. So we started talking about this with our neighbor and he was like, I want to read Job. (laughs) And we're like, yeah, you should. It's amazing. It's so good. And I was like, have you ever read any of the Bible before? And he's like, no. I'm like, this will be a very weird place to begin. Mm -hmm. But you Mm -hmm. should read it and let's discuss. (laughs) So which of you is Job? I think all of us are Job. Like, that's what's so amazing about it is that we all are made with a real need to be seen and heard and to encounter God face to face. And like the existential plight of that, especially in Job's day without the revelation of Jesus as the mediator and the high priest, you can feel his longing at a really deep level. Um, but it also just renews gratefulness for who Jesus is. Um, the interaction that we do have with God right now. I think I just see in Job my actual need, which is to meet God. So I find it really validating that God's response towards that need is not to present some other solution. His response to that need is to come and appear and like be a part of the conversation. It'd be so dissatisfying if Job ended without God appearing in the story in a time where like I'm looking for answers in my life. It's easy for me to look for a fix that would not actually address the heart of the issue. Um, I think Job speaks to me that God is not looking for that fix. God is looking for a relationship with him that addresses my actual heart. Leah, thank you for jumping on to have a conversation with us. We've been rolling into these with the same question, which is just uh, where is Jesus coming for you right now or reframing your story or pointing out something to you you didn't see before? So this has been a hard two weeks for me. I am a highly physical touch person and to be so suddenly cut off from what has always been a source of comfort and a way that I connect has been really hard. (laughs) And I have been waking up a lot of mornings just with a sense of heaviness and sadness and at the same time have been trying to work through this idea that this is our hour. You know, like the world is experiencing fear, but the church can rise up and be a bright light. And I think for years I have sensed that something like this is coming and there is kind of this anticipation of like, oh, it's going to be go time. Like everyone's going to be in the dark and like, you know, I'm just going to get to like bring Jesus to people. And, and now the time is here and I feel totally taken out and feel kind of almost like out of the loop. Like, like, Lord, what are are you saying? I don't even know. I'm just so sad. I just don't even know. (laughs) And, And I, 
I so long to offer comfort to people around me, but a lot of it has just been, I know, <laughs> like I, I feel you. And to say anything more would, would almost feel like a platitude because I'm still trying to, to walk in the truth of God being my comforter. God being the one who wraps his arms around me. And so, yeah, it's definitely been a space of Jesus. You have to be real to me in a way that you have not been real to me before, because it's just so easy to turn to the people that are around you for that comfort. And yeah, it's been, (laughs) I'm still very much in the middle of it. It's been a good space because to think that, it was going to be me being ready and having all the right things to say and feeling really strong was an illusion anyway. Like, mm. <laughs> I sense that there is actually a lot of power that can come from this and me feeling so weak and unqualified right now. And to just accept that it's okay to not be okay. There are a lot of characters in the word that we think of as rock stars, heroes of the faith. But it's really encouraging to think of Moses, for example, like what he was created for, you know, leading his people into freedom. The call finally comes and he says, Lord, no, please, no. Like all of these excuses as to why he was unqualified. And God says, go, like, I will give you the words to speak. And he, I was actually just rereading that before getting on the call with you guys. And it was like excuse after the, but, but, but like over and over again, just essentially like holding up a list of evidence as to why he was so unqualified. Or we look at Paul who like talks about going to the Corinthians in weakness and fear and trembling. And you're like, okay, God, (laughs) like this was the man that you called to share your good news with the Gentiles. And he's fearful, like he's trembling, he's weak. Okay. Like maybe there's something to this, to feeling completely unequipped and I don't have the words like, Lord, this is going to have to be your spirit. This is going to have to be your power. This is going to have to be your comfort. It is not going to be any of the like lessons that Leah has learned over the years that are now going to be so timely and, and just come in and rescue someone. Like, it's not me. It's going to have to be the Spirit of God. And that is really encouraging. Anthony, thanks for coming on the podcast. The question, pretty simple that we've been leading off with is, where is Jesus entering your story or reframing your story? Or what about Jesus is changing you right now? Uh, Yeah, so um, all of my answers would be put in the context of the, the pandemic and the quarantining happening right now. And whenever things first started happening, I think my reaction was kind of like, let's uh, limit the inconvenience as much as possible and so on and just try to like go about normal rhythms and flows. And I think the real blessing of this season has been that that's impossible. So right off the bat, uh, Jesus has been showing up in this season 
yeah, like being there for me as my fear of death has been exposed. And I didn't feel like sort of consciously stressed about this whole thing. But then I found myself waking up thinking about it and having slept poorly and feeling like bodily stress around the coronavirus. And uh, yeah, I've got asthma. And so um, I sort of, due to like a few bad experiences in the gym and whatnot, I built up kind of anxiety around that at times. And just like this, this sort of subconscious thing in which like the, the, the idea of like not being able to breathe is extremely anxiety producing. So that was kind of the first sign for me of like, oh yeah, this is hitting home on a heart level. And uh, Jesus showed up in that by exposing my unbelief, um, some of my bad beliefs about the father and his hardness um, and his trustworthiness. And I've just gotten a chance to, yeah, repent of that unbelief, repent of some of those wrongheaded beliefs about who God is and what his nature is. And uh, yeah, just receive the faithfulness of Jesus in that area. I've just been praying things like, God, I lay down my fear of death and I repent of my unbelief in you at all. And I repent of my belief that you are a hard God and I receive the faithfulness of Christ in this area. Jessa, thanks for coming on the show. You're welcome. (laughs) Yes, good response. I was ready to be snarky if you had said like, thank you or something. (laughs) Where... Is Jesus showing up for you right now? How is he impacting your story? Yeah, he is showing up in a lot of different places. Fear and anxiety have been two things that I've been really struggling with because sickness has been a thing for me. And it was really actually so cool of Jesus because two weeks ago, he rewrote my narrative that I've had in my life with sickness and told a different story, which was really powerful and really timely. As I was praying with my friend Lolo, he gave me a new story. I had believed that he hadn't protected me my whole life and that I had to protect myself. And he's really coming for me in a really like personal and like really real way. Mm. Um, And just really coming for my heart specifically in his protection He has shown a variety of different pictures for our house. He showed like a feather over our house just out of Psalm 91, which was really, really beautiful and really, really helpful to me. He's been reminding me of words that he's given me in the past over my health, particularly in spite of being an undiagnosed asthmatic, like he has told me that I have golden lungs He's told me kind of a different story that I have had to like cling to in this space kind of for dear life a little bit. And it feels like with the fear that I've been feeling, I have been so ministered to by the scripture specifically. Like I was just reading my Bible this morning and there is this verse in 1 Peter 2, 23 through 24, and it talks about how Jesus entrusted himself to the Father. And so that has been the space that my heart's been in and just entrusting myself to the Father in a very real space of anxiety as just with everything that's happening. <laughs> it is so significant. How do you do that? What does entrusting yourself to the Father look like? Yeah, it looks like me letting go of 
fear, repenting for fear and repenting into the truth and trusting the father. When any of those feelings come up, I repent. So I say, Jesus, I repent for partnering with a spirit of fear. And I ask Holy Spirit that you come and minister to my heart in those spaces. And what has been really cool as I've done that, when that comes, I just am driven to worship. It lifts really quickly, which is really, really cool. It's like, oh, there you are. (laughs) I'm okay. And it's a grounding type of thing. So I think the scriptures also having friends to speak truth to me when I'm saying something out of fear or out of that place of anxiety, having friends who are like, no, that's not what God said to you. And that's not your story. And so that is really, really helpful. I've also been thinking, Sam, I don't know, you totally remember this, but like years ago, I feel now you, I, when I was struggling with being sick for quite a time, you were like, this is not your new normal. And I've been even thinking about that in this space and being like, no, that was not my new normal. Like being sick is not my new normal. I am a healthy person (laughs) and speaking that over myself. And so those have been some of the ways that I have been entrusting myself to the father in this process. Mm, That's really good. You, you are alluding to the fact that this moment isn't a new chapter, but it's pressure on a continued one for you. And I just, I'm struck by the ways that you are choosing to let the pressure of this moment be a space that the father can speak to a continued narrative to you. Does it, does that feel accurate? Does it feel like there's, there's a moment, does there's opportunity in this place if you're willing to go there? Oh, absolutely. I feel that so strong. Mm. I feel if I'm leaning in to what the Father has, this is kind of just a really transformational moment, I would say, for me personally. And I, I think it's for a lot of people in this space, too, as we lean in, like, to Jesus. These... Transformations of story are the most mind-blowing to me and the thing that Jesus is best at. But I want to ask, like, you, especially for a season, were sick a lot. And so as Jesus changes that to be, he protects you, where do you see his protection? Great question, Blaine. Even thinking of years ago, like his protection, what he led me through in that space, I didn't have like a primary care physician the majority of that time. And I had a lot of stress. I had a lot of just other stuff going on. I was sick for about a year. And even since then, actually have have struggled with lung stuff. So it has been something I'm continuing to deal with and continuing to walk in and haven't seen the full healing yet, but there has been a significant transformation in my mind. That is where I've seen the most transformation really. And even still, I'm still able to do a lot of things, like everything actually, like going on a 17 mile bike ride yesterday. And so there's that. And so it's just, it's when I breathe sometimes, it's just 
you know, I still feel rubbing in my lungs and it's just, I really feel like the transformation and the protection has come in my mind, honestly. And I know my body is still not like totally caught up to that, but I've got just faith for what the Lord is going to do. I don't know if that full healing will come this side of eternity, but I'm just thankful also. I've also sensed the Lord just being like, be thankful. Be thankful you can be outside. Be thankful you can mountain bike. Be thankful you can run like any of those activities, you know. <laughs> 